What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride to bring you another Behind Enemy Lines podcast. I've got my friend Patty Carroll over here from Winter City Gridiron, SB Nation site that covers the Chicago Bears. Patty, thanks for coming on. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Appreciate you. Well, real quick before we get into it, you know, we're all NFL fans here. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell uh, people where they can find you on, over on social media? Yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter. My, my handle is at Opinion Bear. I thought that was funny. I didn't use my real name. Uh, but uh, I'm going to see the grid on and I write under my own uh, name, Patty Curl. I do the five questions and I uh, do the post game uh, write up. So if you want to hear Bears fan opinion after the game, you can catch it over there. Awesome. Yeah. Make sure to follow Patty. So Patty, I always like to start these things out, you know, just kind of asking about the team as a whole and, you know, with a two and two start to the first month of the season, how are you feeling about the Bears moving forward and uh, have your ex- expectations changed since the preseason slash week one? Yeah, they haven't changed a lot. I think um, most people looking at our schedule thought we would be two and two at, at this time and probably with the same two wins. Uh, at this point, the Bears are kind of in a, I wouldn't say we're fully rebuilding, but we're really thinking about the future and the future with Justin Fields. Uh, I don't think a lot of Bears fans are super invested in this in this season or the particular outcomes. Obviously, we want to win. Uh, we don't have our first-round draft pick, so there's no advantage to gotcha. losing if you if you like to play that uh, tank game. Uh, but we're about where we expected to be in terms of wins and losses. Uh, the path has been a bit of a, a rocky one, <laughs> maybe <laughs> not quite as uh, – I'd say the defense has been a little better than I expected and the offense has been a little worse than I expected. So, Gotcha. Well, I, I tell you what, you took the, the wind out of my sail a little bit there. I was going to ask, you know, are you guys uh, still hopeful for the playoff berth or is that so, but it sounds like you guys are uh, it's more towards building towards the future. And if, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if we made the playoffs uh, and you know, the, the way the defense is playing and with it, Justin Fields, I feel like, you know, you have a chance. He's, he's a, He's very talented. He's got the potential for ex- explosive plays. So I, I'd be excited. I'd be more excited uh, if we made the playoffs this year than last year when I felt like we backed in and uh, we were just ready to lose on Wild Card Weekend, which you know, we did. <laughs> yeah, I know. Trust me, I uh, know where you're coming from. But I mean, you bring up Justin Fields, so I feel like we have to kind of uh, start out by addressing the old elephant in the room. Is uh, Justin, what's going on with the quarterback situation? Is Justin Fields really not ready, or is this some sort of like mind trick kind of stuff going on, or some weird coach gimmick from Matt Nagy? What do you think? I, you know, I honestly don't know. I follow the team closely, and Matt Matt Nagy is playing mind games on all of us, and I think including himself. Uh, I, if I were to give my best interpretation, and this is, uh, you know, one person's opinion, but I think that. Justin Fields is not ready to run the offense Matt Nagy wants to run, uh, which is what he tried to bring from the Chiefs. It's a West Coast offense, and it is also relies on a lot of timing and anticipation, which Fields is not really developed. He didn't need to so much in, in college. I think he could definitely, you know, he has the potential to do that. But right now, Andy Dalton is better equipped to do that. Uh, if you want to win football games, I think Justin Fields is your best <laughs> option. So Matt Nagy seems like maybe his priority is trying to, finally make his offense work but uh, most Bears fans want to see Justin Fields on the uh, on the football field and go with the the ceiling yeah I mean like you said if uh, if Justin Fields gives you the better chance to win football games that's the ultimate goal right <laughs> yeah so I'm exactly. curious you know I think with Fields is a uh, with his first two starts it's kind of been polar opposites of one another so I'm curious of what your your first impressions of him you know having seen him play two starts and what do you think the biggest difference between those two starts were yeah, so my first impression was actually he came in at the half uh, on the Bengals game, uh, and that was a that was a good first impression. It was similar to what I expected. He had a, a couple explosive plays. He made a couple mistakes. Uh, he showed off his athleticism. Uh, he's crazy fast, and that's not even his – I would say his best trait is his downfield accuracy, uh, which the Bears have not had since Jay Cutler. So that was really exciting to see. We saw it in the Bengals game in the Browns game – we didn't see anything except disaster. And, uh, you know, I think the most people say the difference starts with the, the play calling. He was – Matt Nagy basically called the game he was playing to call for Andy Dalton and didn't give any extra protection. Our offensive line was completely outmatched by the Browns' defensive line, and they didn't make any adjustments. They didn't – they, you know, put in more than five, five uh, man protection, I think, 
30% of the time, which is, you know, it's maybe league average was way lower than they needed for that game. Uh, and they didn't do much play action. They didn't do many rollouts. They didn't, they didn't give any, you know, easy options for him. And the results were terrible. He, he took nine sacks, which is, I'm sure is some kind of record. Uh, in the second game, he took one sack. So you just, I mean, the biggest difference was pressure. Uh, and you can tease out uh, what changed between those games. One, you know, from one part is the it's the defense we are up against. Miles Garrett and um, Jadavian Clowney are certainly much more uh, intimidating than uh, was it Romeo Quara, and then I don't even know who the Lions' second best pass rusher is, but uh, yeah, Julian Quara, <laughs> possibly yeah, the Quara yeah. brothers. So awesome. So it's kind of leads into my next question is, I guess the biggest difference between the two game plans is it, it seems like with, with Andy Dalton in the game, there may be uh, maybe less more more five man protections and trying to get the ball out quicker. But with fields, it's a little bit more, a little bit more max protection and maybe a more downfield shots. Is that kind of what I'm gathering from what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. With fields, I mean, he has better downfield accuracy as a stronger arm. Um, and honestly, I think the, the, the difference between the two things is, uh, the two games is that Matt Nagy stopped calling plays. Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator, who has been you know part of the game plan but not calling plays at the beginning of the season. And I think Matt Nagy is just more stubborn in doing what he wants to do, and Bill Lazor is more willing to adjust the game plan to his personnel. Uh, you know, make some compromises to try to make something that works, as opposed to you know his vision of how things should go, uh, and that obviously worked better. Awesome. So I'm curious, and I think you kind of already answered this, but right now, in your opinion, is who makes the Bears offense better? Is it Dalton or is it Fields? And I think I have my answer based on what you've been telling me so far. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> gave that away. I think, I think you know, the best combination is, is Fields with uh, Bill Lazor calling the plays. It's possible that Nagy wants Dalton with Nagy calling the plays, uh, <laughs> which actually, you know, that worked pretty well for the quarter, or the game and a half that we saw it for. Uh, but it's just, it's not as exciting as fields. It's one dimensional and uh, nobody wants to watch Andy Dalton when you have a franchise quarterback <laughs> that you have in the first round. Yeah. It's like dri- driving a Toyota Camry when you got a Ferrari in the parking lot, right? <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, I want to move on to the, the a wide receiver that I've always been a big fan of. And that's Alan Robinson from a Bears fan perspective. I'm curious how frustrating been, or if it's even been frustrating to see him be so good and still be productive, but also feel like he's being held back by a bad quarterback play. Cause I feel like he has a t- potential to be a top receiver in the league, but he isn't in that conversation because of who's been throwing on the ball. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, you know, even before the bears, he's had a historically bad list of right. quarterbacks. He had, you know, Christian Hackenberg in college, and then he had Blake Bortles, like <laughs> literally, you know, those quarterbacks are consistently the butts of jokes and he gets to Chicago and, you know, Mitch Trubisky didn't really do him any favors. Uh, you know, I, I, the bears have been holding him back, but as a bears fan, you know, you kind of want to believe that, you know, he's in a good place because you want him to stay. So it's, yeah, There's a little bit of sure. cognitive dissonance there. But, yeah, it's frustrating not to see him reach his potential. And this season has been a little frustrating, too. He's just off to a slow start. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of that is just the game planning. I think uh, a lot of teams see him as the the biggest threat in the Bears' offense, which, um, you know, this season, actually, because he's been pretty well contained, uh, Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery have both uh, been really – uh, stepping up as the the biggest threat so far, but I think Robinson has the potential, and uh, you know, especially as Fields comes on, he gets. You know, honestly, Andy Dalton is the best quarterback Allen Robinson has had in his career, um, and if Justin Fields, you know, gets comfortable, I think he's going to be the best quarterback and the best reason for Robinson to stay if he's willing to at the end of the season. Well, awesome. So, can you give Raider fans a little bit of insight on what makes Allen Robinson so good, and kind of what to expect from him on Sunday? Yeah, so he's like he, he's kind of a uh, average in a lot of ways. He's he's six two, so he's pretty tall. He's he's not super fast, but he has adequate speed. But he's just a great technician. Uh, he's a, he's a great route runner. He's got a great release. He gets off press easily, and he's got great hands. You know, he can he can use leverage. He can make contestant catches, high point the ball. So he's just really good at everything. He's obviously a student of the game and seems to, you know, just try to improve his game every year. And generally he does. So. Awesome. 
So on the other side of the coin, Darnell Mooney is a guy that I've heard of, but don't know a whole lot about since he was a fifth round pick last year and didn't seem like he really caught people's attention outside of Chicago until about midway point of the season. So can you shine a little bit of light on what Mooney brings to the table? Yeah, Mooney's faster. He was a he was a fifth round pick last year uh, from Tulane, so a smaller school. I think he was a little bit lower on other people's draft radar. Uh, the one thing I'll say for for Ryan Pace, our current GM, is that he's found a lot of gems in the late rounds, and Mooney's the latest example of that. Uh, he's he's definitely fast. Um, I don't remember his clock time. I think it was maybe four four speed, but he he plays at least that fast, and he he's quick in and out of breaks and. Um, he's a little smaller, but he, he's great at getting, getting separation and, you know, he's just improved from, I don't, I, I would say like three weeks into last season, he was the Bears' second receiver. No one was expecting that. And so far this season, he, he's the leading receiver. Uh, and, you know, compared to Robinson, he's, he's a little quicker. He's a little faster. Uh, he's not going to be as good with contested uh, catches, but he's good at getting separation. So. Gotcha. So with Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird, and Brashard Perryman as the, who has the fifth receiver, who I know hasn't even played at all. I mean, that's one one hell of a hundred uh, and a hundred meter team relay team, or yeah. four by one hundred. Um, so that's obviously a lot of speed on the outside for the Bears. Is a big part of the offensive velocity for Chicago to get chunk plays with their wide receivers on the outside. Yeah, I mean that's obviously a goal for them, uh, and you see that in the. Uh, the roster that they've made up, you know, it's interesting because historically we haven't been good at that at all. And part of it is our quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> an interesting set, uh, Justin Fields right now has six, uh, so far this season has six, the downfield passing with more than, and it was either 20 or 25 air yards when I heard this stat. Uh, last, all last season, Mitch Trubisky had seven. Uh, I think <laughs> Andy Dalton has one all season. So they, they you know, gotcha. Knowing they have Justin Fields, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, before that, <laughs> it was questionable how well they would be able to use that. Uh, I think you're going to have maybe you – know, I'm sure you'll ask later about the offensive line, but that's also been a, a limitation in our deep passing game. Gotcha, yeah. Definitely going to touch on the line, but before we get there, let's uh, we'll go a little bit closer to the offensive line and talk about the tight ends for a second. And I saw Jimmy Graham has two targets on the entire year. So what's going on there? Is he just not getting thrown at or is Cole Komet just kind of taking over as TE1? So it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's hard to say Cole Komet has really taken over because he hasn't played well. Uh, <laughs> it's the Jimmy Graham situation is very frustrating for Bears fans because he's I think he's getting $8 million this year. Uh, and we cut one of our best players, Kyle Fuller, uh, due to cap issues. We cut uh, a very reliable left tackle, Charles Leno, who was making maybe $9 million also due to cap issues. And now we have problems at corner and tackle and Jimmy Graham <laughs> is playing five snaps a game. Yeah. So yikes. Uh, it's not a logical situation. So it's hard to say exactly why it's happening. I think Graham still has value as a, as a red zone target. He still knows how to, you know, box people out and win with leverage and his height. Uh, he doesn't have any burst anymore. It's not a great blocker. So he's not playing as many snaps and they're trying to make Cole Komet a thing. And, you know, he's the second year tight end. It takes a while to develop. Hopefully that'll happen, but he's played pretty bad this season and Bears friends are, you know, we like to be frustrated. We're annoyed with that. So. Gotcha. I, I can, I can hear you as a Raider fan who uh, didn't agree with all the, uh, all the off season um, transactions. I can uh, definitely hear where you're coming from, feel your pain a little bit, but I do have to follow up and ask why do the Bears have five tight ends of the roster if they only throw at two of them? <laughs> That's a great question. Part of it is I ask the uh, J.P. Holtz, the, uh, well, I guess maybe he's the fourth or fifth tight end. He's, he's really a fullback. He, he's a gotcha. special teamer. He, he, that, that roster spot could have been uh, taken by a running back just as well. So, um, and then Jesper Horstead, he's been actually uh, inactive most of the games. He's a very – He's a pretty talented athletic tight end. He had an amazing uh, preseason game where he got like three touchdowns. And I think that's when he earned his roster spot, uh, but they're not giving him a chance. Honestly, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to see what he can do. Cause Cole Komet's doing nothing. Um, gotcha. <laughs> oh, I hear you. And then Jesse James, uh, he's a good user of roster spot. He's a good blocker. He's a reliable catcher. Um, gotcha. So we talked about it a little bit, but with the Bears offensive line a couple of weeks ago, Justin Fields got sacked nine times. Was that all on the offensive line or can you give a little insight onto who they have up front? 
Yeah, I would. I don't think an offense, uh, offensive line on its own can get nine sacks. It really takes a, a collaboration of <laughs> inadequacy to make that happen. Yeah, uh, but our line is is not good. Uh, we part of it is injuries. Um, with the, you know, the Bears drafted a second-round tackle that we were really excited about, Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins yeah. He's on our IR right now with a back surgery. Hopefully, they're optimistic that he's going to come back uh, as good as ever. We'll see about that. Uh, and <laughs> so they picked up Jason Peters. Uh, he was, you know, retired and fishing at right. the time. <laughs> I, I can't make credit for the for the joke, but uh, my my colleague EJ said they literally plucked him out of the river. Uh, <laughs> I think is a good way to put it. And he's, gotcha. you know, he's obviously, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's very right. technically sound, but he's, he's old. He wasn't expecting to play. So, you know, he's in decent shape, but probably not as good if he had a full off season. And on the other end, they have Jermaine Effetti, who is, he makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, he'll have stretches where he plays well. Uh, and he'll have stretches where <laughs> you understand why the Seahawks, who have one of the worst yeah. offensive lines in the league, cut it. So. Gotcha. Um, and then the middle of our line is supposed to be a strength. Uh, Cody Whitehair and James Daniels are both second round picks who have played well at times and have not played well this season up until last week, which, you know, hopefully this means they're getting better. It might just mean they were playing the Lions. Uh, we'll get a little <laughs> more information on Sunday yeah. about that. And then the middle of their line, uh, center Sam Mustafer was an undrafted free agent and the Bears just had a little too much faith in him. He played okay coming in relief at the end of last season but he's really he's not a starter he's a nice depth piece and uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) gotcha well i tell you what the 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 two guys that i'm kind of uh most curious about are the two tackles you brought up you know jermaine effetti and then jason peters both those guys are fairly recognizable names but i mean the raiders have had some two pretty good uh young edge rushers and max crosby and yannick ngakwe both of whom have really quick first steps and really great good offs. So I'm curious, um, are those are Fetty and uh, Jason Peters, are those two guys going to be the ones for sure holding down the edge? And, you know, how quick are they kind of moving off the ball, especially I know Fetty's kind of been more known for his, uh, his run blocking a little bit. I think he's played some guard. And then Peters, like you mentioned, you know, they just plucked him out, plucked him out of the river as your, uh, as your friend has to say, yeah. and obviously it's getting up there in age. So how are their, uh, how is their first step looking? Yeah, that honestly, speed is a, is a problem, definitely for Peters. I mean, he just got destroyed by Miles Garrett, who's you know he's got that he's got burst, he's got strength, and you know none of it was good for Peters. I think Petty actually probably is a little better with his first step, but he's going to make mistakes. Um, you'll be able to get around the Bears' tackles, uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, we'll have <laughs> some some accommodations for that uh, more so than we did in the Browns game. Gotcha. Well, I tell you what, I know that's not great for you, but I, I do like to hear that as good news to me, good news to me. And hopefully a lot of people, they listen. So, <laughs> but what about the run blocking for the line as a whole? We just saw the Raiders get beat up on the ground on Monday night by the chargers. So do you think that's a matchup that might tilt in the bears favor a little bit? Yeah, I think, uh, the, I mean, it's hard to say our run blocking is better than our pass blocking. Uh, but I just, you know, told you how bad our pass blocking is. So <laughs> Uh, but we moved, we definitely moved the ball well on the ground against the Lions. Uh, and now a lot of that was the the offensive line. Uh, Damon Montgomery is great at, had a great se- season. He's injured now. Uh, but I still think that the, the offensive line is going to be able to move people and we'll be able to get, get some work done on the ground. Gotcha. So you bring up uh, David Montgomery's injuries and whatnot. So I'm curious, you know, obviously the news coming out uh, earlier today or earlier Tuesday. Um, about him being out, I think it's five to six weeks, something like that, four to six, maybe something in that range. So how do you think the Bears are going to approach this position group or the running back position specifically? And, and do they have a feature back or a potential feature back? Or do you think it'll be more of a committee approach? Yeah, I think that uh, Damian Williams is going to more or less take over the feature back role. There'll probably be a little bit more rotation uh, with uh, Khalil Herbert. They have a six round pick who they like a lot. He's he, he's fast. Um, I haven't seen a lot of him, but the, the people I know who follow the draft were excited about him. Yeah. Uh, but Damian Williams is a good all around back. He came from the chiefs. Uh, he was one of the best players in their super bowl, uh, victory and forgetting which number that is. Whenever I come up with a super bowl number, I have to go back to super bowl 20, <laughs> which was 1986 when the bears won and then, you know, count from there, but yeah, he's definitely a good all around back. He's not, 
he's not a good as good at breaking tackles as David Montgomery, but a few backs in the league are. So I think he's going to get the majority of the load. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Damian Williams, I can't remember if it was uh, in the Super Bowl or in, along the playoff run. He had like a long, like probably like 75, 80 yard run, I think, for a touchdown around the left end or something like that. And I mean, I remember him from uh, obviously because he played for the Chiefs. So mm-hmm. somewhat hit somewhat close to home. I remember here was a play where he and uh, Tyreek Hill were pretty much like competing to be speed for speed down the down the field and whatnot. So definitely. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't see that, but he's definitely faster than Montgomery. Uh, but he's just, he's not as uh, hard to take down. Gotcha. Well, let's transition to the other side of the ball, which is something I'm sure you're a little bit more excited about. And let's start with the defensive line. So who's that number 52 guy? He looks like a pretty good player. Yeah, he's not bad. Not bad, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he might look good in silver and black now that I think about it. But... Uh, maybe at one point. Um, yeah, Khalil Mack is, you know, he's been amazing for the Bears. Our first game, uh, he, we had him. He came up with a strip sack on Aaron Donald and a couple other amazing plays. I think he had a pick six. Uh, it hasn't been quite that much of a, a box score revelation, but he's been, uh, you know, as, lo- as long as he's been healthy, he's been the best player on the defense. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things I always appreciate about Khalil Mack. And, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I still love Khalil Mack. I still love yeah, watching his bear yeah. highlights. He's, he seems like a good guy. I still have my – I still have my Raiders Khalil Mack jersey and hope that someday maybe he'll have like a little swan song at the end of his career and come back and I can dust that thing oh, off. He's going to retire, Bear. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, they pick, apparently picked up the phone this offseason, so who knows? Let's see. Yeah, and we'll we see. hung up the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true. But in all seriousness, I am a little curious about Mack's age. He's on the other side of 30. We'll be 31 in February. So as someone who watches him week in and week out, is he slowing at all or is he still that same dominant player that he was in Oakland and has been in Chicago for the last few years? I'd say when he's fully healthy, he's as dominant as he's ever been. I think he he probably has more nagging injuries than he did when he was younger. Right now he's got a little bit of a foot issue and he's still, you know, has played well. He's getting sacks. He's getting pressure. He's getting double teamed, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I think probably the the main way the age is taking a toll is that he's he's having injuries linger a little bit longer, probably come up gotcha. a little more often. Gotcha, gotcha. So speaking of bold ed- edge rushers, it looks like Robert Quinn is having a pretty good year so far with 15 pressures, four and a half sacks. So can you tell me about how other teams have tried to block and retain both Quinn and Mac? And is Quinn thriving because he gets because Mac gets so much attention, or is he getting a lot more one on one blocks? Like I'm curious how teams have, or how teams have defended the Bears with those. Yeah, two that's a good question. I think so. Last year, Robert Quinn was a complete bust. I think he was injured all year, but he yeah. basically, you know, he had a strip sack on his first game, and then I think he had one and a half sacks all season. He was a non-factor. So I don't think teams have been really putting a lot of thought into game planning for Robert Quinn. Uh, and he came back fully healthy this year, and he's he's playing like we expected him to when. Uh, we signed him to a big money contract. So that's been great. I think, yeah, I think Mac is getting the attention. I don't think teams have made big adjustments for Quinn yet, but they might start having to because right now he's our sack leader uh, and he's continuing to play well. And <laughs> Bears fans continue to be surprised, but at some point I think he might get <laughs> used to it and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things you, you bring it up. It's like, well, you might have to pay more attention to him, but one of those things where I feel like if it's uh, easier said than done, because as soon as you start paying more attention, attention to him, the guy on the other side's coming around. So yeah, honestly, I prefer yeah. you you double team Quinn and then Mac at the sacks because I've just got <laughs> I've got more emotionally invested in him. It's more satisfying for me to yeah. watch him get a sack. Especially, so. especially this week, right? Too. I mean, you got to feel like yeah, you got to you know, everyone can cheer when Mac gets a sack this week. So yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> so there's some there's some uh, some a little hostility in Raider Nation, but. Uh, for the most part, I, I, I haven't still heard that. <laughs> the next guy we have to talk about is going to be uh, Akeem Hicks. And when the Raiders played the Bears a couple of years ago out in London, he left the game early with an injury. And I thought that was a key part in how the Raiders were able to have offensive success and actually end up winning. Hicks went down last week with a groin injury. So I'm curious if you have any insight on the severity of the injury and if he'll be playing this week. And uh, if he can't go, you know, who's kind of going to be that replacement for him? Yeah, I don't, you know, the Bears like to be – you know, I think all teams do during the season. Yeah. I'd like to give as little information as possible about their image injuries. I am I'm concerned that he's not going to play. 
Uh, and he is a big difference maker. And he's, you know, not just in his play, but he, he is a real leader on that defense. I think his energy helps fuel other people. Uh, but the Bears have a lot of depth on offensive line, or sorry, defensive line. <laughs> I wish they had a lot of depth on offensive line. Uh, and so Bilal Nichols is a, he, he'll be on the field whether or not a, a Hicks is. He, I th- think he's a third or fourth year, fifth round pick. That was another one of Pace's uh, finds that he's really developed well. He, he'll definitely be a difference maker. Uh, we just picked up somebody, Angelo Blackson. I think he was Cardinal maybe. Don't quote me on that. Well, it's on <laughs> tape, so I guess I am quoted on that, but I might be wrong. Uh, and he's yeah. been playing better than expected. He's a, he's a big lineman, and he's been getting pressure, getting into the backfield. Uh, and then Eddie Goldman, our nose tackle, uh, is going to, you know, he plugs up holes and he gets sacked sometimes. He, he, we haven't seen him much lately. He opted out last season gotcha. and had his first game this season on Sunday. So, but if he's at 100%, he'll definitely help make up for that. Yeah, I mean, the Bears defensive line has been something the last few years that, you know, as a as a former defensive lineman and uh, as a, someone who, like I said, loves Clone Mack and whatnot, you know, it's just been something I've been jealous of. I mean, it's it's pro bowlers, all pros all across the board. So, I mean, it's definitely something I think uh, I think a weak Raiders offensive line might be uh, in a little bit of trouble for us. So I think we'll see a lot of max protection this week. But So for the linebackers, Rokon Swift was, was the guy that I really liked coming out of Georgia a few years ago, and it looks like he's kind of the main guy in the middle for the Bears. Can you talk about what Shaquille Argo's defense will ask him to do and what his sort of strengths and weaknesses are? Yeah, I love uh, Roquan. I was a big fan coming out. I wanted to draft Vita Vea uh, that year just because I, I love large uh, football <laughs> players. But uh, Roquan he is was one of my, my top realistic suggestion. And he's, you know, he started out a little bit slow, but he's really picked it up. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. Um, you know, Bears fans will say for a couple years now, definitely so far this year. He's maybe his most impressive thing is, is he's one of the best coverage linebackers in the league which is obviously more and more important as uh, the league gets more and more passing focus. Uh, he's, he's very quick. Uh, he's very smart. Uh, he, he can blitz well. Sometimes he has a little, he, he's, he's not the biggest linebacker. Sometimes he'll have a little bit of trouble, you know, shedding a block, but he'll usually just get around you. Uh, and he's, he's becoming sort of the, the leader and the center of, of this defense. Gotcha. So other than Smith, is there really another linebacker for Chicago that you think uh, Raider fans should know about? Because, again, when I was doing research for this, it kind of seemed like uh, seemed like the Bears are kind of going with that new philosophy of, you know, playing as few linebackers as possible. So I'm curious if there's anyone else. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that if that has has to do with uh, their roster or uh, their strategy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, actually, the Bears were trying to decide which linebackers to keep. They had a lot of great depth. and a lot of us wanted them to uh, keep this guy called named Nick Kwiatkowski, which you may you may have heard of him once uh, or twice. <laughs> but we decided to keep Danny Trevathan instead, who's an older veteran. He's a great player, but he's been injured a lot since he's currently on IR. Gotcha. So uh, in his spot right now is Alec Ogletree, who we he picked we picked up off the scrap heap in the preseason. He's kind of a a boomer bust guy who has enough bad play that I think no one wanted him, but he can make big plays and he's actually played pretty well for the bears so far. So, uh, you know, I don't be shocked if he, he gets a sack or gets an interception or something, but also don't be shocked if he, you know, lets Darren <laughs> Waller, you know, run gotcha. past him for a touchdown. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Nick Wachowski's struggling to see the field for the Raiders this year anyway. So I don't know how much time he would be. That at. does make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much time he'd be getting with the bears, maybe a little bit more with the injuries, but yeah, his spots, but he's been, He's been banged up for was banged up for the majority of the preseason. Um, you know, start been on and off the injury report all seasons long, and uh, his spot's been taken by Denzel Perryman. So, no. don't know if the, the how much the Bears are really missing there. But <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
All right, well, let's move on to the secondary where uh, cornerback Jalen Johnson is having an excellent second year. I mean, he's allowing just 42.1% completion percentage and, a four, and has four pass breakups and plus an interception per PFF. So can you talk about the strides he's kind of made from year one to year two, or do you think he's kind of been the same player uh, as rookie and he's just getting more opportunities or what? I think he has gotten better. He came out, I think, you know, for the first half of the season, he was the best rookie corner. Uh, and some national analysts thought that not just fair fans, uh, <laughs> but he, he had a soldier injury, shoulder injury in college. And it, it, I think it got aggravated at the end of the year last year and it, he never quite came back for it. So the second half of the season was not up to par with the first half. And he just came out this year playing very strong from the beginning. And, you know, it's hard to, it looks a little bit too good to be true, to be honest, but he's definitely playing better than last year. And I don't know. You know, if part of it is the the mentality, he knows he's the number one and he's rising to the challenge or, you know, his offseason workouts, just getting more comfortable. The, you know, game is, quote unquote, slowing down for him. But gotcha. whatever's happening is working. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Whatever yeah. he did in the offseason, just do it again, right? Now, the other corner, and I might be butchering his name now, but is it Kindle Vildor? Is that, am I saying that right? Yeah, it's, it's just uh, the straightforward like the, pronunciation. Gotcha, like the Amazon Kindle, the door, we'll call him. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't someone, obviously, that I recognized. So enlighten me. What should I expect from uh, Bill Door on Sunday? He's been, I would say, adequate. He, he was kind of an aggressive player in college. He was a fifth-round pick. Uh, he went to, I think, Georgia Tech. He went to some smaller school. Gotcha. Uh, and he played pretty well when he had to cover uh, for injuries last season and the Bears – uh, decided to roll with him. Uh, you know, they have it, they originally signed Desmond Trufant, uh, who's you know a veteran, has played well at times, and they ended up cutting him at the end of the preseason. So they feel gotcha. confident in Bill Dor. I would say he's a little bit of a liability, but he can he can hold his own. He hasn't really gotten to the point where he's making making plays like he did in college. He's not. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's probably still just trying to be an adequate number two corner, which is fair because uh, he doesn't have a lot of playing experience. He was a late round draft pick a year ago. So. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that's what they exactly the bears need him to be. So can't help it if uh, he's fitting in his role there at safety, Eddie Jackson was certainly a big name, but from a distance, it looks like he's kind of regressed over the last few years. Isn't quite the same player he was back in 2018. Would you agree with that, or am I just not paying enough attention? And then building off that, can you talk about what he brings to the Bears' defense? Yeah, it, no, that's how it looks up close as well. Uh, gotcha. If, if there's a way to pay enough attention to make it look like he's, you know, growing and blossoming, I'd like to do that. But he <laughs> has sort of fallen off a cliff. We thought uh, for the last couple of years, maybe it was Chuck Pagano's defense just wasn't the right fit for him. Uh, but now we've gone back to a very similar defense to the one he thrived in in 2018. And so gotcha. far results have been, you know, mediocre at best. Uh, he's always been, you know, more of a, a big playmaker and, than just a sort of every down consistency guy. He's never been the best tackler. And lately it's just for the most part been the, uh, the downsides and not seeing a lot of the upside. So Gotcha. So he still has that potential. You you know, we may see a pick six from him, uh, but we may see another week where the safeties give up a a bus of coverage and um, the Raiders profit. Gotcha. So I'm curious, is it, um, you know, you, I know you brought up the scheme and whatnot, but uh, what's been like the biggest difference in like Jackson personally that you kind of noticed from 2018 to, to now that's been the, the biggest thing that he's kind of been able to control or whatnot, or, or is it just a matter of scheme at this point? I don't know. I don't, it's not just scheme. Uh, it's hard to know what's going on in a, in a player's head. Um, I think he's probably, I think that he, he sort of fed off of his, his success and, you know, that motivated him. I think he's, I think he's probably frustrated. He's not making the big plays. And at times I'm guessing he's, he's trying too hard to make a big play happen. And he's, yeah, I would guess that he's frustrated. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, Tashawn Gitson was uh, someone who I thought was a pretty good free agent signing for Chicago last year. 
but he missed last week with an injury. So again, I'm, you know, I know the bears have been kind of quiet about their injuries and whatnot. Trust me working with uh, John Gruden and whatnot. I, I feel your pain. So I'm just curious, you know, is he going to be something that's, you know, potentially playing this week? And if not, who's going to be stepping in and filling in for uh, Gibson? Yeah. I honestly don't know if he's going to play, but Dion Bush, uh, he's been with the bears for, I don't know, maybe five years now. He was a, a late round draft pick who's mostly special teams, but he comes in and uh, to play safety. He's, he's got a number of stars at safety and he's generally adequate, uh, which is honestly all I expect for Chasson Gibson at this point. He's another year older and slowed down a bit, I think, from from last year. He's had some, you know, our whole secondary had a had a lot of problems the uh, the first game against the Rams, and he was definitely part of that. So was Eddie. So I think from Bears fan perspective, Gibson Bush, is, you know, it's all hopefully good enough is the way we describe <laughs> their play, and we're not expecting too much. Gotcha. I'll be honest. Uh, hopefully good enough is isn't exactly the boat of confidence I think I'd want heading into a game, but I'll take <laughs> it from I'll take it from the opponent's perspective. So I ask everyone that comes on this podcast, how do the Bears attack tight ends, especially one the caliber as of Darren Waller? And are you confident that they'll be able to slow the Raiders superstar down? I'm curious because, uh, I, like I mentioned, Rohan Smith is one of the best coverage linebackers on the game. I think we'll definitely see a number of snaps with Rohan covering him. We'll definitely see some safety coverage, which I may be a little bit less confident in. Uh, I mean, you know, Eddie Jackson certainly – will be able to hold his own, but uh, the Bears defense in general uh, is very similar to the Chargers defense. They're both from the the Fangio tree. So I actually, this is one of the questions I, I have for you is, I, you know, the Raiders had a lot of trouble in the first half and then success in the second half. I didn't watch that game closely, but um, do you think they made adjustments and do you think those adjustments might be able to carry over to the next game? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it was tough. I think uh, a big part of it's kind of a similar to what you're talking about, Justin Fields. Um, one of the things that I was, I'm hoping was, was the difference was it just seemed like Brandon Staley kind of out coached Gruden, which mm-hmm. I mean, for a first year head coach to out coach a guy that's, you know, won a Super Bowl granted 20 years ago and whatnot, it's a little bit frightening. You know, they were talking about on the broadcast and bringing up, you know, how the, how the, uh, the chargers were blitzing a, a linebacker to make sure that they could get, um, Joey Bosa on one-on-ones with Alex Leatherwood. Right. Um, Joey Bosa is obviously an elite pass rusher, and I still think Khalil Mack's a better pass rusher than him, and I guarantee Khalil Mack's going to be lining up on the offense's right just seeing how, you know the difference between Colton Miller and uh, Alex Leatherwood. So I think if the Bears can do that, if they um, you know start to blitz somebody like a Roquan Smith or you know maybe one of their other linebackers that's in the game that's you know maybe not as good in coverage, I think that can give the Raiders a lot of trouble if they, can, if they don't make the adjustments. As far as, you know, what adjustments the Raiders made in the second half, I think they definitely gave Leatherwood a little bit more help. Joey Bosa was a little bit quieter, I think, in the second half. Because um, right now, I mean, Alex Leatherwood, he's gone against he's gone against some really good pass rushers. I mean, week two, he faced TJ Watt, who is, you know, yeah. now the highest paid player in the NFL. So that's – they don't come make pass rushers much better than him. And, you know, it got worked a little bit. But, I mean, so far in every game, I mean, he, he hasn't had one game in pass protection where I walked away and be like, you know, that was a good – that was a good day for him. So I think if the Bears can do that, that can give them a lot of pro- trouble. I would hope that John Gruden would, you know, kind of learn from this last week and realize that he's got to give them a little bit more chip blocks and whatnot, which is, like I said, what they started doing in the second half. And I think if you wind back the clock a little bit to that game in London a few years ago that the Raiders ended up winning, mm-hmm. they basically put, like, if you watch the the screen captures and whatnot on Twitter and some of the clips, I mean, there were three guys on in Khalil Mack. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, that year, the Raiders were starting, um, I believe it was Brandon Parker. I can't remember exactly there. I think it was him at, at right tackle. And I mean, he was, you know, similar to Alex Leatherwood, where he's just a turnstile out there in pass protection. Yeah. So I'd expect a similar game plan to that, where it's going to be a lot of guys where, you know, you're going to see maybe even eight people in the protection scheme. And, you know, if they're just relying on Henry Ruggs or Darren Waller to win deep, you know, maybe putting Darren Waller on an immediate route and then. Henry Ruggs on like a post or a go route right behind him and whatnot, see if they can hit some shots down the field. But yeah, I, I definitely, that's definitely a worry for me. Again, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, it's Brandon Saley was just this, this defensive genius that he's kind of made out to be, you know, people keep calling him the, the defensive Sean McVay. So I'm hoping that was the biggest difference, but yeah, it's definitely a matchup that I'm worried about. You know, we talked, we were talking about at the beginning with the talking about the defensive line for the bears. 
the offensive line for the Raiders and the Bears defensive line is complete mismatch that favors favors the Bears right yeah. now. So that's I don't know if you uh, notice the stat of the Bears are number one in sacks right now in the, in the league yeah. fifteen. So yeah, I hopefully I, I'm uh, not surprised. Curl so. up into a ball or whatever yeah. Joey Bosa said about him. Yeah, it was an interesting comment, but uh, yeah, I mean, for sure, it was. Yeah, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Like that's going to be the biggest key to the game, and I mean. On, on both sides of the ball too. Cause I mean, Raiders don't have quite the sack numbers, but the pressure numbers are certainly up there. And those guys like, like Crosby and whatnot, who's uh, leading the league and leading the edge rushers and pressures right now is have been having a hell of a year, but I want to wrap up with one more question for you before uh, we get in onto your questions for me. And I just kind of yeah. want to talk about Matt Nagy for a sec, Matt Nagy for a second. I have my own personal opinions about Matt Nagy as a coach, but I'm curious and interested for your thoughts on him. Yeah, I think so. I, I'll start by saying if you ask anyone else from Chicago, they would say fire him yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I personally like Matt Nagy, but uh, he's starting to wear a little thin on me. I I loved him in 2018. You know, he's got, he's got a lot of good energy. Uh, He, he seemed sort of honest and transparent at first. I think, I think that he aspires to be that, but it's gotten harder as things have, uh, not gone well it's easy to be sort of you know yeah straightforward when everything's working and you can just explain why everything's so great right uh, but I think he has a vision of, of the offense that that he wants to bring to Chicago I think part of him thinks that's why he was hired and he probably was uh, but it hasn't happened it hasn't worked uh, he's been stubborn about it to his detriment uh, but he has shown you know, he has good qualities in terms of leading a team. The Bears have played played better under him than they did under, you know, the previous coach, John Fox. Right. Uh, he has a lot of, you know, he has a lot of good qualities, but offensive play caller, it turns out, is not one of them, <laughs> whether or not that's <laughs> yeah. why he was hired. Um, yeah. So we'll see how the year goes on. He he gave up uh, play calling duties on Sunday, Bill Lazor called the plays. It went a lot better. He did that for the end of the season last year on the same results. It went a lot better. So hopefully he, he just realizes it and, you know, shifts to being a head coach and not uh, an offensive mastermind because unfortunately he's, he's not an offensive yeah. mastermind, but uh, he, I think the bears could have a successful season if he, if he does give up on play coming and, and that's, really the yeah. only way he's going to save his job in my opinion yeah i mean i think as you bring up a good point it's like it's hard to be there are very few coaches in the nfl that can be both an, a play caller and a head coach right or be really good at both and i think feel like with Nagy, that's one of my my biggest sticking points to me right it's like like you just said bill laser took over last year towards the end of the year the offense did better Nagy for some reason takes the play calling back and the offense regresses the week that they they uh, replace him and bring in Bill Lazor again, what do you know? The offense was better. And that's where I kind of like, you know, obviously not being a Bears fan, it's not quite as frustrating where I'm kind of sitting there as an outside perspective, like, like, well, then, then what are you doing, man? Like, you, you obviously have a formula yeah. that works. So well, are you being and you, well, you, you brought up another good point is it's just harder to be a play caller and a head coach. Yes. So you really shouldn't do it unless there's a real significant value add from you play calling. And, you know, with Nagy, it's, it's a, it's a value minus with him play calling. So, it, it, you know, from the outside looking in, it's a no brainer. Somebody else needs to be calling the plays. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even like his, uh, his like mentor, right. Not, what, what not Andy Reed, you know, he gave up uh, play calling a couple of years ago to be enemy right now. So it is, you know, it is he, gave it up to, he gave it up to Nagy yeah, uh, the year before Nagy. he got hired. So, yeah. So, well, awesome. Man. What, uh, Patty, what questions do you have for me? Yeah, well, let's start with the the flip of that. Is how how is the Gruden experience going from the the Raiders fan perspective? I, I tell you what, if you would have asked me, well, I, I'll put caution this. I'm still a little pissed off about yesterday. What I was talking about <laughs> earlier. So uh, it, my my opinion might be a little bit swayed by recency bias. But if you would ask me in August about Gruden, I would have been. I sat on here and I think I even said it on this podcast. Like if any Gruden. If Gruden didn't have his name as John Gruden and whatnot in the $10 million contract or the, excuse me, the 10 year, hundred million dollar contract, mm-hmm. like we would have been talking all off season about him being on the hot seat. Right. Yeah. I don't know how many coaches in the NFL get three years to try and rebuild and make a playoff team. Right. Like, I mean, we're talking about Matt Nagy being on the hot seat and he's been in the playoffs two out of three years as a head coach. Right. Right. I mean, last year, you know, talk what, say what you want about the, the extra playoff spot and whatnot, but I mean, he still made it and Raiders didn't. 
I am more optimistic about um, John Gruden this year, though. I think that he's made a lot of changes, you know, early on in the season in the first three games, I should say, that I think he needed to make and that he's really done. But then again, there was days like yesterday or days like Monday night where, you know, you're sitting there and it's like now he's stuck back in his ways and he's not making the adjustments that uh, he needed to need to be making and whatnot. I do like John Gruden as a coach. My problem with John Gruden is I feel like his ego is, you know, as big as his room and whatnot. Yeah. And his, I feel like part of him, he wanted to come back because he kind of had that stigma about his Super Bowl championship of, you know, doing it with, uh, doing it with Tony Dungy's team. Right. You know, cause he, they had taken over the playoffs right. with bucks and whatnot. And that's kind of been the one black mark on his resume going uh, after being a coach. So I think part of him kind of wanted to be able to, to shut everybody up and, you know, do it with his own guys and bring in his own players. And I think the result that we're seeing is John Gruden, the general manager or John Gruden, the player personnel person is getting in the way of John Gruden, the head coach, like the, the yeah. rumor, the rumor that floats around. And I mean, this never been proven. Don't know if it ever will be is that John Gruden kind of takes control of the first or the early round picks and then kind of gives it up to Mike Mayock for the later rounds. And if you look at the Raiders draft history in the last, you know, four years, their first round picks have been terrible. Cleveland Farrell, Jonathan Abram, John, uh, Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs until the last three games of the year, you know, was looking like terrible as a rookie and whatnot. And I mean, Josh Jacobs for as great as he is, um, you know, he's banged up all the time and plays the least valuable position on the, in the NFL. Right. But then you look at guys like a Max Crosby, who was a fourth round pick. Yeah. Hunter Renfro was a fifth round pick. And Nate Hobbs, who's starting for them at slot corner uh, this year, and it's been awesome for him, also a fifth round pick. So that's where I'm kind of coming from of like, if John Gruden could just be less of a control freak and just give the reins over to Mike Mayock, I think this not only would they have a great roster or a better roster, but they'd also have a coach that, you know, for as bad as the roster's been, Raiders have been putting up points. And that's yeah. John Gruden's stuff. And I mean, I mean, so that's where I'm kind of coming from of like, dude, if you just let somebody else get your personnel, you've, you've done that before and you won a Super Bowl. Like, what are we trying to do here, man? Like, you know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I'm optimistic. I feel like Gruden personality wise, I think is a really easy guy to root for, right? That's why he's in the Monday night football booth and he's got really charismatic. So I definitely root for him from that perspective, but I, I really just wish he would just kind of, you know, give up a little bit of control. Like we were talking about with Matt Nagy, you know, his, yeah, it sounds his like Matt Nagy is like, he just needs we're to in a not similar be situation where, you know, I mean, you probably have to have a pretty big ego to be a head coach, but yeah, for sometimes sure. Sometimes it, it helps to allocate responsibility a little bit and, you know, trust the people who work with you to do their jobs. Definitely, definitely, for sure. Um, so, talking about Raiders personnel, I have to ask what your impression of this sort of, from the outside perspective, surprising O line. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to just sort of explosion and uh, re rebuild out of uh, without a lot of um, I don't know instigation or yeah Patty, obvious reason from the outside. I, I got to be honest. This this conversation was going great for about the first forty five minutes. Now you're just pushing <laughs> my buttons over here because I wrote an article earlier today and I listed the offensive line and John Gruden as losers for the from the game last night or the, the changes on the offensive line, I thought was a little bit blown up in the, the kind of the mainstream media a little bit, you know, Trent okay. Brown. Yeah. They got rid of Trent Brown. Trent Brown had missed as many games as he played as a Raider. Like he just was never available. You know, he's injured. And I mean, he's injured now, right now the Patriots, I think he played, he played seven snaps so far at this point last year for the Raiders. I think he had played three, something like that. So he just wasn't available, was on a huge contract. Rumor was he showed up at 400 pounds in the off season and whatnot. So, uh, that one, I, that one was one where I was like, okay, I get this. They got to move on. Like he's making way too much money and um, you know, obviously not putting in the work in Gabe Jackson was kind of the similar lines where, you know, I was kind of sitting there like, I like Gabe. He was a guy that's been drafted here, a guy that's been here a while and uh, was actually Khalil Max draft class, which, you know, it's probably the one of the best draft classes in Raiders history. You know, that included Derek Carr as well. Um, so oh, yeah. I got three guys that were, you know, really good players and whatnot. And, uh, but Gabe had regressed a lot. Gabe, Gabe had kind of been more of a more of an average to okay offensive guard, but he's making ten million dollars a year. So again, just not living up to his contract. So I got that one, and you know, again, it was something that I even thought might have even happened the year before. They held on to him for an extra year, and you know, ended up letting him go. So that one made sense to me. 
And then they actually cut Richie Incognito and then brought him back like a few days later. But then again, Richie Incognito is now injured again and on injured reserve, which happened last year too. And I mean, he's 37 turning 38. So that's not exactly a good sign either. The one I could not get behind and I'm still very mad about is letting Rodney Hudson go. Rodney Hudson for years, even, you know, now I don't think it would be the case with Darren Waller just because he's such a stud, but for about five years, Rodney Hudson was the Raiders best offensive player. Like he was the center, he was their center, you know, making all the calls and doing a lot of the thinking and protection wise for Derek Carr. And I mean, the guy like never gave up a sack. He gave up like one sack as a Raider in like five years. It was, it was unbelievable. Like how efficient that guy was in pass protection and you no, know, he was good yeah. against the run, but he was getting up there in age and had a bigger contract, but they ended up taking on more of a cap hit this year to let him go because they tried to ask him to take a pay cut. And he basically said, no, get rid of me. And they traded him. Um, but right now, the biggest, one of the, probably the biggest weak spot on their offensive line has been the center position because they have a guy in there that before the season had literally started one game at center and was transitioning from a college offensive tackle um, to come play center. And I mean, last, it wasn't as bad this week, but the week before he couldn't even get the snaps back there. He had a bad snap that uh, whatnot, which obviously is, is an important part of playing center. So that was the one where I have been really frustrated with and have never agreed with, especially because the Raiders are struggling with communication on their offensive line and pass protection. That's been one of their biggest issues when teams get into a lot of those, you know, those double a gap or double mug looks where, Basically, all the defense is trying to do is test the offensive line's communication. They usually end up giving up the sack or giving up a pressure and whatnot, and Derek Carr's got to scramble around. So that's the one where I've never really been a big fan of, never really understood. And, I mean, as we're seeing it go on and throughout the year, you know, is is really, really hurting them. And I think one that if you kind of you kind of look back on it, obviously they'll never admit it, but one, that, one move that I'm sure Mike Mayock and John Gruden probably want back from this offseason. Yeah, that was that was also the the most shocking uh, from from the outside to validate yeah, that. Yeah. I I don't know why I think center to, center is one of the most undervalued positions in the NFL because it Definitely. has such a huge uh, effect on your whole offensive line play if someone knows what they're doing or if they don't. And um, I don't know. It's uh it's not paid well. It's not really valued well. But we yeah. also we have an, a UDFA center. He's a smart guy, but. Uh, we could also use another, we could use Rodney Hudson to be awesome. We should have, yeah. I thought we should have traded for him. Uh, awesome. I will say though, with the in Trent Brown's offense, every time I play Madden, I I go to you can edit your characters, and I always bump my offensive line weight to four hundred. So I think that's a, that, that's a plus. You gotta you gotta bump gotcha. those guys up. To, gotcha. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh yeah. So I just oh this is a little just a little bit of a troll question, but how much do you guys enjoying Josh Jacobs? Uh, Damon Arnett and Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards has been pretty good this year. Brian Edwards, like he's ironically, like there was a stat that was floating around last week. He has like something like 111 yards of receiving yards in regulation. And then like 105 in overtime, (laughs) which is like (laughs) already, which is already an NFL record for the single season. So, I mean, (laughs) the guy's been clutch. Brian Edwards has been solid. He's been good. Um, Obviously not what Khalil Mack is. Uh, like we were just talking about with Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs has been a great running back when he's been healthy and been on the field, but that hasn't been very often. Part of it's probably because he played behind a, a bad offensive line and getting beat up. But, I mean, he started the year off injured. Even in the Baltimore game, he was a little, uh, little gimpy heading into that game. Ended up having to miss two weeks, and then was a game-time decision uh, on Monday night. And, you know, running backs like, all the analytics, all PFF has said, you know, it's, it's very much dependent on the offensive line versus the, the actual individual. And that's kind of been, you know, one of the frustrating things from the get-go that I've tried to hammer home with Raider fans is you don't give up a, a guy that plays the second most important position on the field for a guy that plays the least. Right. But, um, but yeah. And then, I mean, Damon Arnett, Damon Arnett, like, I, I don't even know what to say about him. He started last year because they had, he had to, and I mean, they brought in Casey Hayward. They were they were looking at drafting a corner. It didn't end up working out. They brought in Casey Hayward after the draft. Who Casey Hayward has been their best corner on the team this year. And Damon Arnett is getting just no playing time. And when he is out there, he's getting roasted. He got beat by Chase Claypool in week two on a fifty yard bomb. And then after the bomb, Chase Claypool's on the ground. He doesn't just is pouting and doesn't uh, touch him down and gives up ten more yards. And then uh, you know, yesterday or Monday night. 
he um, got beat terribly by Mike Williams off the line of scrimmage. Luckily, Justin Huber, Herbert overthrew Mike Williams. And then he ended up getting hurt. And the guy that came in was uh, in the same draft class as uh, Damon Arnett last year. And that was a fourth round pick and Amick Robertson and Amick Robertson outplayed him. Honestly. I mean, Damon Arnett right now is, is probably like the fifth cornerback on the Raiders roster, if I'm being real. Uh, and they have somebody that's coming off injured reserve soon. And I would not be surprised if we get a, we get one of those little ESPN or uh, Twitter notifications that say the Raiders have cut Damon Arnett because I mean, it's been that bad. He's been, yeah. he's been awful. Um, I think in the off season, there were some questions about his work ethic coming around rumors swirling around about that, which I mean, if you're going to be bad, at least work hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, well, so. and those things sometimes go together though. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, so I was also wondering, you know, Bears fans travel well, how much, of your home field advantage, do you think the, the Raiders lost moving to Las Vegas? Do you have a still have a good home team tournament turnout? I think so. I think I think uh, you know you, you think about the Raiders. They've always kind of been nomads, right? Started in Oakland, started in San Francisco technically, but started in Oakland, uh, then went moved to LA for about ten years. Grew a big fan base down there too, and then came back to Oakland. And I mean, the whole time, you know, people have uh, not a whole lot of people left. I grew up in the Bay area. I think people that were born in like the eighties and whatnot, when the Raiders were in LA, you know, obviously became Niner fans. Cause um, that was the hometown team and the team didn't come back till 95. Uh, but for the most part, like people who were in Oakland that were Raider fans, I think stuck with the team. And then when uh, they moved back from LA back up to the Bay in Oakland, I think a lot of LA Raider fans stuck with the team too. And I think you're seeing the same thing. Obviously there are some bitter Raider fans who, you know, it was their hometown team, not their hometown team anymore and whatnot. Not quite as much a fan, but I mean, Ravens are a fan base that are going to travel well. Um, you know, and they, the Raiders, that Monday night opener was, was a huge, uh, was a huge Raider fan base. And I think this year, especially with it being the the first year that they're having to have fans in the new stadium, I think mm-hmm. we're definitely going to see, you know, still a lot of, a lot of black jerseys and whatnot, a lot of yelling for the Raiders and whatnot. Now, as things go grow, progress in a few years from now, especially if the Raiders aren't winning, I mean, yeah. I'll ask you this: if you if you're a, you're a Bears fan, you're looking at going to or an opposing fan from anywhere, and you're looking at going to the game, and you see the you see a, a potential Vegas trip on the, for a weekend and whatnot. Yeah, I imagine that's probably point. the away game you're going to go to. Gonna draw them. Yeah, yeah well, I, I was going to say Bears fans will 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 show up to Vegas for the game, but it's possible we'll, we'll lose all our money and have to sell our tickets before the game actually happens. So <laughs> yeah, you have that. Yeah. That, that is true. Maybe that's the added advantage. Maybe uh, maybe it'll get some a uh, little bit of a resale market and whatnot. T- have people outside the casinos looking for tickets for people that <laughs> uh, have lost everything they own, right? Uh, and I just wanted to end with Derek Carr from, from the outside looking in. Uh, save. One half and Monday night, we don't need to talk about. It looks like he's playing his, his best football of his career. Do you think uh, this is part of just ups and downs, or do you think there's been a real change this season? I, I, there's definitely been a real change. Derek Carr and, and John Gruden, they keep trying to sell it as, oh, he's just been the same guy. They're, I mean, the numbers don't lie. The film doesn't lie. Like, he's being way more aggressive. He's using his feet a lot more this year, too, mm-hmm. and that's probably partially because he has to. You know, in the last few years, the Raiders had spent more money than anybody on the offensive line. So, I mean, if you have that mindset and whatnot, I'm just going to sit in this pocket and whatnot and right. let these let these high-paid guys pay for me. Now that they don't, and now that they're one of the worst pass-blocking offensive lines, you know, he has to move his feet and, you know, make plays happen on his own this year. And I think one of the biggest stigmas around Derek Carr has always been like, oh, he needs a situation to be perfect, right? He needs this great offensive line. He needs all these dynamic weapons on the outside to play well. But I mean, like I said at the beginning, like I keep harping on the Raiders offensive line has been terrible this year. Their weapons heading into the year were a bunch of outside of Darren Waller, of course, were a bunch of no names. You know, Henry Ruggs wasn't good as a rookie. Brian Edwards was a third round pick. Um, you know, and those were their top two receivers coming into the year. And I think Derek Carr is absolutely playing his best ball this year. He's been way more aggressive than he has been in the past. You know, in the years past, he's even had quotes saying he's like, if I have a if I have two receivers open, but one's a guaranteed completion short, I'm going to take the one that's guaranteed short. Like, and there's one play that kind of stuck out to me. That's really been the difference between uh, Derek Carr in the years past against the Steelers that ended up clinching in the game. I might've saw it floating around on Twitter or on sports center or something, but uh, you know, they had the Steelers were running like a bracketed coverage on, uh, on Darren Waller, where Minka Fitzpatrick was kind of cheating on his side and mm-hmm. Derek Carr had uh, Henry Ruggs on the post and whatnot. And he also had Hunter Renfro on a, on like a slant on the inside. That was both. And both of them were wide open. Hunter Renfro would have been open for the first down. 
And Derek Carr, you know, kind of looked, looked uh, Minka Fitzpatrick off, held him with his eyes. And then he actually threw it before Henry Ruggs was even actually open and just chucked it deep. And then connected with them for a 50-yard bomb that, like I said, sealed the game. That we, we did not see that from Derek Carr. We haven't yeah. seen that from Derek Carr since 2016. And probably even before that, probably more like 2015. Like that guy was not on film last year. And I think that's definitely like you hit the nail right on the head. Like he's playing his best football right now. Obviously, you know, the first half last night, you know, it's a little bit counterproductive to that saying that, but I mean, yeah, he's absolutely playing to me at, at an MVP level playing better than I've ever seen him. And I've obviously followed him for, for all of his career. So yeah, he's yeah. definitely playing out of his mind right now. Well, he looks good from the outside too. So yeah. let's hope he has another one, one more bad game. And then, you know, <laughs> you can have a great season after that. Sounds good. All right. Well, Patty, one more time. Tell you what, let's uh, let people know where they can follow you. We're all football fans around here. Always good to know about stuff going on with the Bears. So where can the, the people find you out on Twitter? Yeah, my Twitter handle is at uh, Opinion Bear. Uh, I talk about the Bears. I talk about actual Bears. Most of the <laughs> things I tweet are, are half jokes. So um, you're, you're welcome to follow. Don't take awesome. it too seriously. Sounds good. But you guys know where to follow me. Of course, follow Silver and Black Pride. Follow me at mholder95. Other than that, until next week, guys.